0: We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom.
1: I just don't fathom it.
0: The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world.
3: Well, streaming live around the world on the interwebs at MichaelDukeshow.com and across the state of Alaska on this Your favorite radio station and or translator. Good morning and welcome to the program. It is the Michael Duke show and we are broadcasting live, uh, doing our thing today. Uh, we've got, we've got quite a, quite a show lined up for you this morning and we are ready to, uh, rock and roll. We're going to start here in just a few moments with, uh, some discussions and everything else uh, for the weekly top three. That is the top three, uh, the top three issues that are going to be facing the state of Alaska, um, and you know we're going to dive down into it with our friend Brad Keithley from Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. He's going to be on board with us, and we're going to uh, we're going to get the full rundown, so to speak, on everything and anything. That uh, we can with this, uh, the weekly top three topics this week include the discussions about, well, Ivy Sponholtz saying out loud what's supposed to be the silent part about uh, protecting the government spend. That's going to be that's going to be the first one. Also, we're going to talk about the ADN editorial board, how they continue to, well, wage a war against lower and middle income Alaskans. And finally, we'll have a uh, discussion uh, about the Pika project and Santos and what they are saying, the oil company Santos, what they're saying about Pika, and what does it mean for Alaskans as well. That's going to be the big uh, talking point today. Oh, it's Bill Brock's birthday today. Happy birthday, Bill. Um, Bill uh, in the chat room, one of our regulars. In the chat room every morning on the uh, on the uh, uh, on the show here every morning. In hour two, we will uh, have a chance for a quick chat amongst ourselves on all the various things. We'll talk uh, uh, about everything that we covered earlier on, and then kind of maybe we might take a few phone calls or whatever. And then <clears throat> we will be picking it up with our friend. Chris Story, the man from Homer, who will come in to give us our weekly life coaching lesson. So that's uh, that's what it all uh, uh, that's what it all comes down to today. Doing our thing and uh, well, trying to suss out exactly what it's all going to be about. Well, I'll tell you what it's all going to be about. It's all going to be about uh, it's all going to be about protecting the government spend. That's what it's. That's pretty much the long and the short of it. Today is going to be a busy day for all the legislators. I don't know if you've seen all the bills that are up for discussion. Um, They are in the midst of uh, just absolutely an absolute flurry of bills, like ten or eleven in the Senate and another twenty in the House that they have to rush through today. To try and make it before the deadline, the conference committee also continues to meet mostly in secret and uh, discuss uh, exactly what they are going to uh, what they what what they are going to deign to give us peasants when it's all said and done. Um, you know it won't be the full uh, 4200 two hundred dollar dividend payment and the thirteen hundred dollar energy relief. In fact, we'll be lucky at this point uh, to get half. Of uh, of that amount at this time, and I don't know quite honestly whether or not the governor is still planning on uh, vetoing the energy relief check. Uh, early on, he said that. Um, uh, early on, he said uh, it was going to be uh, uh, he was going to be vetoing that. So I don't know. I mean, if they reduce the amount of the PFD down to less than statutory, does it make sense for him to then veto the energy relief payment? On top of it, if his whole goal is to actually get uh, dollars into the hands of Alaskans in the private economy. I, you know, I, who knows at this point? It's a crapshoot. I have no idea where the governor stands on any of this stuff because, quite honestly, he won't talk to anybody anyway. So does it matter? Does it really, really matter at this point? Uh, I mean, I'm tired of jumping through all the hoops to try and get the governor on the program. It's you know feels like you're pulling teeth half the time trying to get it done. It usually takes me over two weeks just to get the to you know to make sure the stars align, so the governor can take twenty minutes on a uh you know at, at a six a m break to have a conversation with Alaskans like he promised to do, but you know pie crust promise easily made easily broken i mean that's you know that's the whole thing I mean come on down uh anyway uh so yes, it's a frenzy a frenzy I tell you. Of bills in the legislature this morning uh, as they continue to go through, what are some of the uh, what are some of the bills that they're going to be hearing? Well, <clears throat> HB fifty five, which of course is the defined benefits program. This is the camel's nose under the tent um, of getting back a defined benefits program for all government employees. They're saying they're using the 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 whole fact that they're doing first responders. That's just the stalking horse. Um, that is just the, uh, the, the, you know, the Trojan to get it in through the door and then they open up the floodgates. There's already been talk about expanding the, that from just first responders to, uh, of course, uh, teachers uh, and educators. Um, you know, I mean, while everybody else has struggled to just make ends meet and keep their jobs and make sure that they didn't lose their houses during the pandemic, all the public employees who never missed a paycheck, that's all well and good. I mean, I still know people, this is what kills me. I still know people who are working for the federal government who are still working remotely. And by working, I mean they're 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 showing up for a conference call um uh you know, every two days or something, they do a they do a 30 minute conference call and they're still getting paid their eighty, ninety, one hundred thousand dollars a year plus cushy benefits and everything else. I mean, it's just it's insane. It's just, you know, meanwhile, the rest of us are scrambling to make sure that we got enough food on the table and doing everything else, paying for gas prices. And I mean, you know, I I just I got nothing. I got nothing. So the House calendar is full. They've got a psychologist, HB 276, high psychologist and licensing and uh, practicing. They've got a bill in judiciary on domestic violence. There's uh, some kind of bill about facilities constituting a school the alcohol beverage control alcohol regulations has passed the house now they've got uh they got some other ones the micro reactors one has passed the house the uh, oh <clears throat> the the reading bill yeah didn't didn't make it anywhere at this point the reading bill didn't didn't make didn't make it um i mean there's just there's all different kinds of uh, bills that are going to be coming up here this morning that are just absolutely uh astonishing but of course now we're into the 24-hour rule which is not really the 24-hour rule it's more like the six-hour rule or seven-hour rule um we've seen it in the past where legislators because normally they have to give you a significant amount of notice um several business days worth of notice before they hear a bill but once they enter the 24-hour rule which was intended to give literally 24 hours That has been interpreted by the legislature to just mean the day before. So there's been many times where we've seen bills uh, or notifications given at, you know, 11 o'clock at night for a 7 a.m. hearing uh, on some bill that nobody wants to, uh, to look like. You know, I mean, it's just it is just full of obfuscation and deceit. Welcome to politics. Welcome to politics. That's what it's all about. Um, I don't know if anybody out there caught Art Chance's article. We talked about this last week, not Art Chance's article, uh, because it just came out yesterday. But the fact that buried inside this operating budget are the new contracts for the public employees. You were asking last week. We were all talking about why a oh, why would uh, you know would unions push back on this bill since it's loaded with, especially the AFL CIO, when it's loaded with construction. Uh, you know, things new you know, millions and millions and millions of dollars for new construction and, and the capital projects and everything else. Well, because they wanted to make sure that you didn't spend their money on the PFD because buried down inside the bill, uh, the Dunleavy administration had got their bargaining done and everything else. And buried down inside the bill were agreements, which are the three year agreements for the various unions The agreements, according to Art Chance on Must Read, appear to be a pattern of a three-year agreement with general wage increases each year of 35 to to 2% plus CPI capped at 5%. So 5%. It's basically a 10% general wage increase over the next three years. So in the next three years anybody that's anybody is going to be making at least a 10% increase and that doesn't even count the step or the merit pay that they've talked about the merit steps uh or the merit pay but essentially if they were making $7500 a year in 3 years they will get another seven if they make 75000 they'll get another 7500 on top of that i mean <clears throat> damn that's good money if you can get it Yes, good. I mean, I was just thinking about the last time that I got a ten percent pay increase over a three year period. I'm trying to think of when I got a ten percent pay increase over a ten year period. But yeah, three point. These are. This is all. This is what was going on. They were walking around the halls, making sure that all this millions of dollars didn't go to you, but instead went to them. I mean. Wow. The special interests really do rule the state of Alaska. I mean, we said it, we've talked about it, but this just, I mean, just brings it home, absolutely brings it home to the nth degree. The special interests run the state of Alaska. We're just here because we're convenient to them. That's pretty much what it's all about at this point. Constitutional convention, pal, says Susie in the chat room. You know what? She's not wrong. I mean, that's what it's going to come down to because these legislators are too weak-kneed or beholden to the special interests to get things done. And we got some good fighters in there. It's just not enough. It's just not enough because you're never going to get rid of a Burt Steadman or a Louise Stutz until their people figure out that they may be doing great for their communities, but they're boning the rest of the state absolutely bending them over and just, it's bohica all day long. And it's never going to change because we keep sending the Gary Stevenses and the Click Bishops and the and the Burt Stedmans and the Louise Stootses of the world and the Ed, Bryce Edgemans back to the time and time and time again. We've changed out two-thirds of the legislature. And yet here we are. Welcome to the state of Alaska. (laughs) I've got no further comment without hurting myself at this point. All right, uh, we're going to go. We got uh, Brad Keithley coming up in just a moment. We'll be continuing with the weekly top three. And uh, we'll get a full take on what's going on there. Don't forget Chris Story coming up in hour two. We'll do some phone calls as well. Appreciate you guys all being part of it. It is The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. We'll return in just a moment.
0: If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Duke's On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com.
3: Okay. I think it's a non-informed public, says Rick. I've shared stuff with people uh, and uh, with people that I know and that they have no idea. Most don't even know their legislators. That's exactly it. Most people are apathetic. They don't even they don't know, and what's more, they really don't care that they don't know. And because of that, you get this uh, you know you get this uh, cadre of people who take advantage of that. That you know it's the old axiom of government is what happens to you when you're not paying attention, and that's exactly what we're getting today: the government that we're not. T- I just looked down at Paul's comment and I said, "Pipe hitter? What?" <laughs> I thought it said pipe hitter. I have been I have been watching way too much Navy Seals. Um, pipe hitter. Uh, all right. Let me get uh, let me get Brad on the line here, and see what I can uh, come up with. Come on, launch the damn thing. Uh, join without. All right. Let's see. I think we got Brad Keithley's... I think we're squared away here. Um, what's up with the HB giving doctors and medics the ability to put you in a mental, okay, mental institution? Medics. I have no idea. I have no idea at this point. Okay. So, uh, institution. I have no idea. I have no idea at this point. There we go. Okay. I have no- <laughs> I'm not talking now because Brad is... Because we were echoing there. I just wanted to make sure I didn't blow Brad away. Good morning, Brad. How are you doing? Michael, I'm doing great today. How are you? Oh, you are doing fine. Woof, you're you're loud and proud. And I'll back off a little bit. How about that? That's not bad. Let me see if I can. Uh, I made a bunch of changes here in the world, and uh, you know how that is. <laughs> you and I both do that. Then the next week, we're wondering what's going on, right? Yeah, let me try that again. Okay, so now you sound a little bit better. Uh, oh, no, wrong one. How about (laughs) I got I got too many sliders and buttons and everything else. Uh, All right. Try it again. Good morning, Brad. How are you, Michael? I'm doing great today. How about you? Uh, Wow. Now you sound just crystal clear and perfect. See, it's all color. Beautiful. Uh, I'm doing okay, my friend. I mean, you know, I'll be, I'd be lying to you if I wasn't a little bit dauber down over all this stuff going on in the legislature. Cause I, I really, I know better than to get my hopes up, but I was watching and I was trying to take the pulse of everything. And I thought maybe just maybe they'll do the right thing. And then I saw, I saw the whole thing just come unstuck. And at that point I was just like, why, why Dukes? Why did you get, why do you, dude, scotch, it's the answer. Um. So so here's my
2: question. Have you figured out Eastman and Kirka yet?
3: No. You know, I mean, th- again, they keep going on and on about the size and scope of the budget. And then that's Eastman's take. He really didn't go the abortion route. And then Kirk is like, well, that language was must. I mean, but again, I ask my question, if you're concerned about government spending, why would you give them back one point four, one point five billion dollars more to spend later on the eastman side and on the other side did you think that the language was going to be put back in if you voted down the budget anyway cuz it's not going back in under conference committee so what good what it, what have you done except for take 100 million dollars out of every voting district in the state well we stood on principle and i've been chastised online by everybody saying well i could see what kind of a conservative you are cuz you can just be bought for money i'm like the one opportunity for the people to get exactly what they were owed and now you're chastising me for not wanting to give it back to the government. I, ha- I mean, I have nothing at this point. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Other than my faith in humanity, again, has been diminished greatly over the last, uh, you know, 72, 96 hours, something like that. So anyway, um, no, that's pretty much it, Brad. That was, that was the, the, the top of it. Did you hear I, I've only got 40 seconds here. Did you hear anything else or you got any kind of other feel on this?
2: No, 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 that's that's what I've heard too. I just I don't I don't I don't believe it. I just i don't I don't understand what they were doing. Um, look at me. Look at me.
3: Look at me. That's pretty much what I've decided here at this point is the driver behind a lot of things that are going on in that neighborhood. Um, all right, Brad, we'll hold the line. We're gonna be right back to you., Oop, we're gonna be right back to you here. That is my reminder to get on the stick and get back to it. Here we go, the Michael Duke show. Common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio. Make sure you like and share this video. Like and follow the show page. Let's uh let's do it. Let's uh, let's get going on. Welcome back to the program. And uh thank you for being part of it. It is Tuesday, the Tuesday edition of the show, and that means it's the weekly top three. We're gonna dive into it with uh we're gonna dive into it with Brad Keithley from Alaskans for sustainable budgets and uh kind of get a feel for what's going on uh everywhere all the time. Uh the weekly top three continues, including this week. Uh, we're going to start off with one, which is uh, I, it was my favorite way for Brad to say it. It was essentially Ivy Sponholz is now saying out loud what's supposed to be
2: the silent part,
3: the part that's not talked about. Brad, what what are you what are you discussing here? What what do you got going on?
2: Well, uh, as part of the budget cycle, uh, Representative Sponholz uh, put out a Twitter uh, thread, uh, which is multiple tweets uh, stacked on top of one another to, to sort of be a a, a dialogue or a, or a discussion. Um, and, uh, and in the middle of that Twitter thread, she had one tweet that said this, a better way to help those who are financially struggling would be to invest in low income housing, public assistance, Medicaid, supplemental nutrition assistance, SNAP, senior benefits and other programs which go directly to those who really need it. Um, and and she was using this as a justification for cutting the PFD, for for, <laughs> for 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 limiting the PFD. Well, there's three things about that. I mean, that's I just I broke out into laughter when I when I read that. Usually you don't see, you know, uh, the, the progressives being that open about trying to rationalize why they're cutting why the, the rationalize the impact on lower-income families of cutting the PFD. But there's, but there's three things that are just humorous about that. One is most of those programs are largely federally funded. Um, so she's taking credit, she's trying to take credit uh, for cutting the PFD to save programs that are federally funded, largely federally funded um, in any event. I mean, have very have something to do with state funding because, you know, the state funds part of those programs, but the largest part of those programs uh, comes from the federal side. So we're cutting your PFD. Right. Think about this for a second. We're cutting your PFD because the federal government is paying for a bunch of of this assistance. Uh, uh, I mean, that's that's one thing. Right. And 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 another thing about that is that things like Medicaid, the money doesn't go to lower income Alaska families. Yes, they get they get medical services uh, as a result of that, but the money goes to the docs and to the and to the and to the medical community um, who, who are really the big defenders of, of Medicaid and, and other programs uh, programs like that so I mean she's defending she's defending cutting your PFD so more so money can continue continue to go to docs. The third thing the next thing is <laughs> the, the,
3: the, I'm just the, sorry I'm just yeah. I'm sorry go ahead hey this, this whole thing I just my brain is I'm good blood is about to shoot out of my eyes go ahead. This, this is why they don't say
2: this silent part. I mean, they try to imply it. We're cutting the PFD to save you. To, right, exactly. You. But but this is why they don't say it out loud because it's just ridiculous when you start going down into it. The, the next thing is, think about this for a minute. She's telling lower income Alaska families that we're cutting your public assistance. We're taking money out of your pocket in order to provide you these services. Public assistance is to provide assistance on top of the limited resources that lower income families have. It's not to make lower income families pay for those services by taking money out of their pockets and saying, well, the government's going to take the money out of your pockets, but guess what? We're going to give you a bunch of good stuff in, in exchange for that. That's not what public assistance is. Public assistance is we understand you've got limited means we're going to provide some assistance on top of what you've otherwise got to, uh, to help you, to help you pull yourself up by, by your bootstraps. Here she's saying. Here she's saying. We're cutting your PFD. We're going to make you pay for right. these for these services that you're getting uh, by cutting by cutting your PFD. So that's. I mean, that's 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 the third or the fourth thing that, that you know. <laughs> or the fifth, we go. Yeah. <laughs> and then the and then the final thing is here. And here's the here's the core of it. What's going on with PFD cuts? Even even if you take at face value this rationalization. What's going on with PFD cuts is the top 20% don't have to pay, right? The PFD cuts take a minimal trivial percent share of their income uh, uh, out of their income to to pay for government. Using PFD cuts to pay for government takes a trivial share out of the top 20%. What she's saying is lower income Alaska families, bottom 20%, don't worry about it. We're taking this money for a good thing. We're going to give it back to you in the form of government services and And you should be you should be happy about that, yeah, of course, the money goes to the docs. A lot of the money goes to the to the medical community, but you should still be happy about it. you should still be happy about that, that that we're taking all this money out of your pocket. Uh, it's It's a good thing. Don't worry about it who who's left out in that in that in that discussion? The sixty percent of Alaska families, the middle income I was Alaska just gonna families. say, yeah the middle is all let me let me tell you what I read into this, brad. this is this is when
3: I read this tweet and uh, and I was looking at it, and I was thinking, You're right. She's saying out loud what they want or what they usually remain silent about. But essentially what she's saying is what we really want. Is we really want everybody to be dependent on these services and then we can administrate everything up from on high because now we wouldn't be so we're the elite, we're the ones in charge. We're the elites. We know what needs to be done with this. So leave us to our things and we will take care of the rest of you with all these other programs. They it's like they want to re- get, you know, leave a huge chunk of Alaskans dependent on all this government depend, you know, creating this government dependency, as long as, of course, we we wouldn't be a affected. Affected by that because we're the ones that are making the decision. We are literally the Politburo setting policy for the entire country at this point, and we're going to live a whole different type of lifestyle than you guys are down there, but that's okay. Don't worry about it because we're going to take care of you. If you want to help those that are financially struggling, you know, if you want to help those that are financially struggling, Let's put some more money in their pockets and let them make the decisions. No, no, no. We're going to invest in all these things, the low-income house. And it, you see how it's an investment. An investment somehow insti- indicates that there's going to be some kind of return. The return is going to be more dependency on what you have going on here.
2: Well, so, and you're going to get to pay for it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, You're going to get to pay for it because we're going to take money that would otherwise go into your pocket. We're going to take it out of your pocket And we're going to we're going to pay for all this stuff. It's just I mean, the way the mindset that that that, you know, we're 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 taking money from you to save you. That's the mindset. We're cutting money that otherwise would go in your pocket, enable you to be, you know, be more self-sufficient, enable you to to have have a better a better life we're taking that money away from you because we're going to save you with all of, with all of these government, Never mind that you may not use those services. We're going to save you with all those government services and middle income Alaska. We got the top 20% covered because we're using PFD cuts. So they don't have to worry about it. Middle income Alaska families too bad. You know, we're, we're taking money out of your pocket. You're not getting any of these services. Um, but, but guess what? You get to contribute to it. Top 20% don't have to, but you get to, you get to, you get to pay for it. It's just, it, it's insane just in, an insane rationale
3: well this whole thread by the way, for anybody who wants to go out and read it, I'll post up the link in the chat room if you want to go out and read the whole uh read the whole thread but if you read this whole thread right now, what really got me was even the the previous uh the previous comment uh from Ivy uh in the in the previous tweet it basically said that a concurrence on this um on this uh piece would have Resultant in spending more money on dividends than we spend on social services, Medicaid, and education for the entire state. Um, And that was Alaskans' money by statute. And? I mean, somehow that's a bad thing. Then the second point she makes is it would have quintupled last year's dividend amount. Because you followed the law? That just tells you that for the last three years you've been taking three quarters of the dividend and now it's shown out? And then it would have forced massive taxes and and cuts to next year in spite of this year's projected – well, I mean, massive taxes and cuts? I'm all about the cuts, and I guess at least the massive taxes would have mean that uh, everybody would have paid something on it instead of just the lower- and middle-income Alaskans. I mean, I don't want a tax, but I guess I I see it as a necessary evil at this point because you people can't pull your heads out. I mean, that's – you know –
2: that's kind of where we're at. This whole thread is just is laid down with all this stuff. And it's usually why it's the silent part, right? Because once you lay it out there, you can you, you just go picking through it and you go, this is just stupid. That's a stupid argument. That's a stupid. That doesn't make any sense. I mean, and, and usually what they do is they just leave it implied, right? That we're re- that 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 the reason we want all this government is we're looking out for for lower income Alaska families. Well, you're looking out for lower income Alaska families by taking money out of their pockets. You're not you're not you're not helping lower income alaska families you're just taxing them heavily uh by take by taking their their pfd and then giving them back what you think they should have instead of trusting them to take care of their own lives it's a well that's it, yeah. the,
3: that's the crux of it right i mean that is the politician's disease they know better than you how to spend your money that's what this whole thing has been about we could give everybody a $4,200 dividend, we could give, we could put a hundred million dollars into every voting district. But if we did that, then you would be in control and we wouldn't, and we just can't have that. Children, let the adults talk. That's what this comes
2: down to. Yeah. Yeah. Or we'd have to, we'd have to make the top 20% pay, top 20% pay for part of it. And we can't have that either. I mean, my gosh, they would, they would rebel. They would push back. They would tell us we can't spend all this money if they had to pay part of it. Right. So it's it's um, yeah, it's a foolish I mean, it's a foolish attempt at defending uh, what's going on here with uh, with PFD cuts. And it, it, as, as you and I are both saying, you usually they usually don't put this out in public because once you do, you know, you, you realize how foolish this defense is, how bizarre uh, this defense is. That we know better how to spend your money. Truly, truly, truly. They're saying that to low income Alaska families. We know better how to spend your money than you do, so so we're going to take your money. We're going to take the money that otherwise would go to you, and we're going to redirect it in the way in the way we think uh, we think you're better off. And even if even if a lot of it does go to the doctors yeah, and hospitals and, hosp- and in the if, medical community,
3: and if you're truly struggling. There are many programs for you to then take advantage of. I mean, this is Scrooge saying, if the poor, they should go to the poor houses. Are there no poor houses? Are there there no soup kitchens? Are there no, then they should just, if they should, they should just die if they can't do it. I mean, this is really, that's what she's saying. This is it. We can't create and, and and let the economy go on its own. We can't get out of the way of it. So instead, we should pour all these monies into these programs to make more people dependent. And if you don't like it, you can go suck on the programs to make sure you survive. We'll hold on to the rest of the money because we know what's going on here. Yeah, I mean, exactly this, right. This is an astonishing piece. This This really is, like you said, a glimpse into the inside of all this stuff. And it's one of the reasons why they probably don't say this very often. Um, and, uh, but it just absolutely, absolutely astonishing. All right, Brad, before I really burst a blood vessel here, let's go on, let's, let's
2: get on a tease for number two here before we go to break. Let's hit number two. Well, this seems to be like the weekly thing now, you know, pick an ADN editorial and, 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 you know, and beat up on it. Uh, but you know, they keep publishing them. So I'm going to keep, uh, I'm going to keep talking about them. There's an editorial, uh, from this, from this last weekend. Uh, that that purports to take on Mike Shower and other uh, others for pushing for uh, uh, full PFDs, full statutory PFDs, putting putting money in the hands of Alaska families, uh, particularly middle and lower income Alaska families, uh, and uh, and and seeks to uh, rake Mike uh, Shower and others over the coals for it. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna rake instead rake the ADN editorial board over the coals for it. They they are they've become nothing more. Than a top 20% mouthpiece. They're like, they're like all of the other trade groups that that weighed in this last week to push back on, on, on the PFD uh, and to say, oh no, we can't have that. You know, we got the PFD is the best way to fund this, best way for us the top 20% to fund it. The ADN's become nothing more, frankly, than just another trade group in that regard. And, and I'm going to talk about why that is. Brad Keithley,
3: Alaskans for Sustainable Budgets. Uh, we're going to uh, be back with him here in uh, in just a moment. Don't go anywhere, and uh, let's uh, we'll we'll get the we'll get the full dope on everything that's going on here in just a second. Uh, we will. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Like I said, if I can keep the blood from leaving my body, we'll be good to go here. We'll be back with more in just a moment. The Michael Duke Show and the weekly top three. Brad Keithley continues right after this.
0: Broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these entities to provide streaming stuff going on on the the, the Internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com.
3: Okay, Brad Keithley is with us here. Uh, Brad, I don't know if you want to comment on this. There was a, a Suzanne Downing had a, a a well-researched piece talking about the conference committee members. Did you happen to see that with the breakdown of all the contributions from uh, from the various special interests to all the conference committee members?
2: I did not, Michael. I saw I saw the headline, but I haven't had time to dig into the into the substance of it. She, I can imagine, but I but oh I haven't yeah,
3: heard. she she dives into it and really looks at each conference committee and their contributions to each one of them from special interests. And every one of these every one of these led with the exception of I think one uh, is receiving over twenty thousand dollars of support from special interests for their campaigns. I think one of them was fourteen or something, but the rest of them were twenty, twenty-five, twenty-six thousand dollars in special interest money, and they're the ones that are going to decide what we end up with uh, on the uh, you know on the dividend and everything. I'm <laughs>
2: it, it, yeah, I...
3: the fix is in. I mean, that's it's it. go ahead. I'm sorry.
2: Well, no, I mean, I was, I was, I, I would assume, I would guess. That uh, that some of that money is coming from the same uh, interest groups that uh, or the members who uh, weighed in uh, over the weekend uh, uh, against the PFD who uh, sent letters uh, that Mike Shower could uh, thankfully posted all of them, so you don't have to go very far to find all of the trade groups that weighed, weighed in. Um, and I got to admit, I was I was hugely disappointed uh, disappointed by that. I mean, it's, it's it's that to me is the most blatant example of, of the top 20% against the rest of Alaskans, uh, that, that I've seen, what, what was it, what they were concerned about was if they didn't use PFD cuts, uh, to, uh, if they didn't use PFD cuts to, to fund, uh, uh government that they were concerned that, you know, somebody was actually going to start looking to the top 20% to pay a proportionate share, right uh, of, of the costs of government. Um, and, and they weighed in and said, Oh no, not us. Uh, did, you know, to cut those PFDs. Now they couched it in terms of government spending, which is what the ADN's done. And I'm going to talk a little bit about that here uh, after the break, but they couched it in terms of government spending, that the PFD is government spending. And so we're against government spending, but, but you strip off that very thin veneer and what was going on was, oh my God, you know, they're about, to, they're about to save the PFD. They're about to, you know, put money in the hands of middle and lower income Alaska families which means in the future, if they continue these programs, they're going to have to look to the top 20% uh, uh, for a share of it. We don't want that. So cut the PFD, Uh, keep using, keep diverting the PFD to pay for the programs. And it was the most blatant example, I think, blatant example, I think I've seen of the top 20%, you know, turning out and saying, don't give that money to middle and lower income families, continue to use that to fund government. And sure as heck, don't look to us to pay to pay an equitable share uh, of the cost of government.
3: You know, what's amazing to me is you had all these organizations, uh, particularly the state, the chambers of commerce uh, and the business organizations that were up there advocating. I mean, these are business organizations. You think that they would want more money in the private economy so that the businesses could benefit from that. But instead, it looks like, again, you've almost got that top 20 percent split In the businesses, the ones that they're really advocating for are the big entities that are dependent on the government spend instead of the mom and pops that make up, you know, 85 percent of the businesses in Alaska, 90 percent of the businesses of Alaska. They're instead just protecting those top players who are receiving all the government lucre. I mean, you would think that a chamber of commerce organization would, of course, be gaga over the fact that they're going to put money back into the economy
2: where it belongs. Yeah, it was, it was interesting. If you go through all those letters, uh, they all have language that more or less says, we need to continue spending. You know, Some would say essential spending, or some would say uh, uh, you know, uh, appropriate spending, or spending for K through 12, or there were various phrases that they used. But fundamentally, it was keep spending, just don't distribute the money. And then they focused on don't distribute the money out uh, through, uh, through a PFD. Keep it back. Keep it back inside government to pay for that spending instead of looking to all Alaska families uh, to pay for that spending. Uh, uh, keep using it. Keep using money that uh, that means the middle and lower income Alaska families end up paying paying for government. So they weren't they weren't fighting government spending. They were they were in essence telling the legislature it's okay to continue spending on stuff that benefits you know the trade groups like ports and roads and. And and you know government programs that AFL CIO got keep government programs going that keep our that keep you know government uh, employee numbers high, which is which is our membership. They were they were they were all supporting the government spending. It was it was the PFD that really activated them and really got them going. And that's all about that's all about who pays for government. That's that's got nothing to do with government spending. It's all about who pays for that government spending. Uh, and they wanted to they wanted to make sure that it that that government spending kept being paid for by middle and lower income Alaska families, and the top twenty percent didn't have to. It is truly an indication of how much special interest
3: rules this state. Rules this state. That's exactly what's going on. Brad just twitched. Sorry, that's my reminder to get back to it. All right, Brad, hold the line. Here we go. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio. Like and share this show. Let's do it. Right, right, we're continuing with Brad Keithley, the weekly top three. Number two, the ADN editorial board is not your friend, I think is kind of the inclination here. They've become nothing more than a mouthpiece for the business as usual crowd in the legislature, the pro-government spend crowd. They are definitely an anti anti. A private citizen group, as far as I'm concerned, they really have become just the spokes critter, It seems like for the uh, for the pro government side, Brad, what's your uh,
2: what's your hot take on this right now? The, the part, and this is this is an This is an op ed that was in the weekend ADN. Uh, the title of it is "Editorial: Even Drunken Sailors Know Better." Uh, the part that, that really uh, uh, triggered me was the discussion of fiscal conservatism right? And, and attacking Shower and others, Senator Shower and others, for not being fiscal conservatives. The, 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 the sentence in there that, I, that sort of summarizes that is, in a sense, it is morbidly ironic that a budget this large and irresponsible is the work of Senator Shower and others who claim the mantle of fiscal uh, conservatism. Well, here's the deal. I go back. I'm old enough <laughs> that I go back to William F. Buckley Jr. Right? I, I grew up watching Firing Line, uh, <laughs> um, B- Buckley's program on uh, PBS, on, uh, right? PBS yeah. and reading National Review. I couldn't wait. I mean, I'm here's a kid in West Central Illinois, a very small community in West Central Illinois. You know, sitting there, the perfect definition of nerd, sitting there every week. You know, waiting for his. Uh, a copy of National Review to show up in the mail, and then consuming it from from one end or the other. I I grew up on this stuff, and I grew up on 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 what defines fiscal conservatives. And Buckley, on one of his programs, I remember clear as clear as a day, uh, said, "Look, I'm not I'm not saying that that people shouldn't pay for government. Everybody should pay for government. Everybody should contribute to the cost of government. We have a moral obligation." You know, Buckley was a was a deep Catholic, had a deep Catholic faith often talked in terms of moral obligations everybody has a moral obligation to pay for government you know and then he, went, he then, then he went on to say i don't be, I don't believe that, that that we should have much government you know I think government ought to be limited uh, that, that, that that government's in too many areas government's trying to do too many things but but everybody ought to you know whatever government we have everybody ought to contribute equitably toward toward the cost of government. So that's the def- that's the definition of fiscal conservatism I grew up on, right? Right. That that everybody ought to have a or everybody has an obligation to contribute to the cost of government. The cost of government ought to be limited. And by and by everybody having an obligation or contributing to the cost of government, everybody has an incentive to keep government limited limited because it's coming out because the costs are coming out of their pocket. That's why you know. That's why I keep talking about the top twenty percent not contributing. They don't care about the cost of government because they don't have skin in the game. They don't have to pay a significant part of it. But that's fiscal conservatism. Fiscal conservatism is limit the cost of government, and but make sure that everybody has a stake in the game. Everybody uh, contributes uh, equitably toward the cost of government, and that's exactly what Shower and the others. Essentially, we're arguing for in this last week. They said, "Look, let's comply with the with the with the PFD statute. Let's get the hand the, the money that belongs to Alaskans uh, in the hands of Alaskans, uh, and and make sure that you know we fulfill our obligation uh, in in that respect. Um, and then you know we'll look at the cost of government, and we ought to pare the cost of government down. Uh, uh, but at least we're making sure that everybody gets their gets their fair share." What the, what, the, what the ADN is concerned about is what that will translate into as oil prices recede, as the futures market tells us they're going to, what that will translate into is to sustain this government, everybody's going to have to contribute, that the top 20% are going to have to start contributing a share toward the cost of government. We're going to have to be true fiscal conservatives. We're going to have to have everybody stand up and pay, uh, contribute toward, uh, toward the cost of government the ADN is, is, is trying to, is desperately trying to avoid that. They're desperately trying to avoid the top 20% having to contribute to the cost of government. Um, and that's not, I mean, they claim to be fiscal, that they, they aren't fiscal conservatives. What they are is elitists. I mean, all uh, oligarchs, uh, uh, you know, various other old Greek words that you could apply to this crony capitalists. They want to shove the cost of government down on middle and lower income Alaska families, and 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 it's just it's it's ironic to see them claim that Shower and others who are true fiscal conservatives, who are trying to make sure that that government is limited, and who are trying to make sure that 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 middle and lower income Alaska families aren't charged disproportionately uh, for the cost of government, that the cost of government are spread. Uh, it's it's ironic to see the 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 ADN and others claim that Shower and others aren't fiscal conservatives when in fact shower and others are living up to the William F Buckley ideal of what fiscal conservatives are
3: Well and I think what's interesting is this became the line of attack from many legislators uh, about oh mocking the fiscal conservatism of many of these things and again trying to lay the blame for the entire budget at the feet of these people If you were watching the the if you were watching the exchanges if you were watching the budget debate you saw shower and company attempt to make many cuts to the budget. They put many amendments in that would have cut things from the budget. And it was always, oh, no, we can't do that. Oh, we can't do this. Oh, we can't do that. Uh, And so they attempted to be fiscally conservative and put all these cuts in there, but they were shot down at every turn. Now, theoretically, if we had gotten to this point and there was no full dividend on it, every one of these people would have been lauding shower and company for voting for this budget because it would have fully funded their vision of everything that was going on. It is strictly because the PFD was in this bill that they are no longer fiscal conservatives. That's really the truth of the matter.
2: Yep, yeah, exactly right. And, and the people who are making that claim, none of them are fiscal conservatives. Louise students wouldn't know a fiscal conservative if it, if it, you know, hit her in the head, a fiscal conservative principle that if it, if it hit her, uh, hit her in the head. You know, when you think about it, and, and I know he's been criticized for it. I know I get criticized for it. Uh, but when you think about it, Shower and, 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 and others are really the only ones who have talked about equitable revenue schemes, right? Shower's talked about sales taxes. I don't think sales taxes are as equitable as we need to be. But Shower, at least, has talked about sales taxes. You know, Louise Stutes hasn't talked about sales taxes. Bert Stedman, uh, you know, harangues about if you don't cut the PFD, uh, we're going to have to have taxes. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah, the top 20% is going to have to contribute to the cost of government. That's, that's how this works. Uh, if you don't take money out of the hands of middle and lower income Alaska families uh, through, uh, through PFD cuts. And yeah, Bert, the top 20% might push back on you. They might say, wait, you're spending, on, you're spending $600,000 on diving boards, you know, of, of, of my money, of my, of, of, of my, you know, Top twenty percent money, you're going to spend money on that? I no, don't do that. But but as long as you can push the cost, as long as you can use PFD cuts to push the cost of middle and lower income Alaska families, the top twenty percent doesn't care. I mean, their reaction is diving boards. So that's good. My kid yo know, uses the swimming pool once a year. he will have a diving board. He can he can a new diving board. He can use. I mean, it's it the, the true fiscal conservatives in the legislature are are shower and others. What's unfortunate. Is that is, since 2017, the PFD has got bundled over to the UGF side instead of staying staying in DGF where it had been up in 2017, and so now Bert and others are able to claim that 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 distributing the, the PFD in accordance with the statute is government spending. It's not. If you go back and look at what Hammond originally intended, it's the distribution of Alaskan share uh, of the uh, of, of state wealth, the, the Alaskan citizen share. Uh, of state wealth, and to cut that and pay for go- to pay for government is just taxing middle and lower income Alaska families, uh, so that the top 20 percent can continue to get off, as Hammond put it, scot free.
3: Absolutely. And again, this is this is the main point of contention is that and you mentioned Shower talking about sales, but he just didn't talk about taxes. He also talked about uh, cuts. He talked about, uh, you know, looking at the oil tax structure. He talked about it was a holistic approach. This was the same approach that the whole fiscal policy working group agreed to. And yet, nobody has bothered to take a presentation on everything that the fiscal policy working group has done. And instead, they again keep picking that one thing out over and over and over again. Um, it is that was the only true group of people in the whole legislature was the, uh, was the, was the working group's plan. And yet, nobody took it because they don't have any interest in it, Brad, because it doesn't serve their agenda,
2: which is we control the money. That's what the agenda becomes. We can we control the money and the top 20% doesn't have to contribute to it. Yeah, no, that, that's, ex- I mean, that's it's, exactly it's a, it. It's a two-part agenda. We control the money and the top 20% doesn't have to contribute to it because if they do, they will push back on how we spend the money. We don't want them to have to be, in, we don't want them involved because they're our, our donors, they're our contributors. We would have to listen to them if they push back on us. So we don't want them to have to pay. and the PFD. Is the perfect because it runs through the government because the government is essentially the fiduciary that's supposed to distribute it. It's the perfect thing to tax and and uh, and and use to pay for government. Continue to have big government because it has a trivial effect on the top twenty percent. The true fiscal conservatives out there are those who are saying everybody should pay. The William F. Buckley Jr. fiscal conservatives are those who are saying everybody has to contribute to the cost of government equitably. And then let's see what government, what what we want government to spend, to, to pay for, what we want government to do. Once everybody has to contribute, then let's make a determination of what of what government's going to pay for. And it's going to be a lot less. Once the top 20% have to contribute, the size and scope of government is going to be a lot less. And and the ADN and all the others don't want that to happen. Right. They want to contribute... Yeah. They want to continue to take it out of, the, out of the hands of middle and lower income Alaska family.
3: Brad, we, we didn't get to number three again. All right, so we're going to have to just deal with that. Uh, thank you so much for coming on board. As always, interesting analysis and discussions. Uh, we look forward to seeing what next week brings, my friend. We will... Michael, as always, thanks for having me. Thanks for coming on board. Folks, we're out of time. we got more coming up. Hour two dead ahead, The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free thinking Radio. Well, I want to get to this Santos thing, but I i really I, – I mean, I hate to – I don't want to beat the dead horse. Actually, I do want to beat the dead horse, um, but, uh, you know – Here's what kills me, Brad, and I mentioned this earlier. All these organizations that got in there and, you know, Shower put all these letters up from the different organizations that were in it. And what gets me is the various chambers, you know, the Fairbanks and the Peninsula and the, the Anchorage and the Alaska Chamber and all these things. And all I could think of is, you know what I really want to do? I really want to – I really, really want to run a campaign for smaller businesses to say, why are you members of an organization that is purportedly to protect your interest as small business, and yet they are then taking your monies and going and lobbying the government to put less money in the private sector, but instead put it back in the public sector. Why are you giving your money to these organizations? I mean, if I was a business owner that belonged to, a, to, you know, the Fairbanks Chamber or the Wasilla or the Palmer or the whoever chambers, everybody that put letters in, I would be like, cancel my membership. I'm done with you. That's what I would do. And, yes, they've got the big diamond and platinum level memberships for the big companies that are, you know, GCIs and the, and the, and the contractors and everybody else who's making money. Sure. Well, see if you guys can live on just that. Because I'm done giving you my six or seven hundred dollars a year that I give you as a business to protect because you are obviously not protecting my small business because all of those people that have got that money would have come into my
2: business to spend money with me. Yeah, the, the irony about this, the irony about this is you, you sort of see it. I mean, the the Alaska Chamber and the AFL CIO uh, combine uh, to push back on uh, on this budget. You know they both claim to be oh they're fiscal conservatives they want to reduce government government spending, which by which they mean the PFD. But but you really you really see what's going on. I mean the AFL CIO is pushing back because they want to maintain money for uh, uh, government spending for government employees for their members. They want to maintain money for that without having to tap the top twenty percent because they know there'll be pushback if they tap the top twenty percent. The chamber is in it for the very same thing not government employees but government con- but government contracts spending on on the ports spending on roads spending on all the thing government you know the 600,000 for for you know the friggin uh, uh, diving boards they they want that government spending to 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 continue but they don't want the top 20% to have to pay for it they want you know the cost continue to be pushed off on middle and lower income alaska families who You really don't have a voice down in Juneau. So everybody was combining for the same thing. Keep government spending going, you know, continue down the road of having all these government employees, continue down the road of having all these capital projects, continue down the road of, of, you know, prepaying for oil and gas tax credits. My God, prepaying for oil and gas tax credits is in this budget. Continue down this road. Just make sure it comes out of the pockets of middle and lower income Alaska families. Just make sure the top 20% don't have to pay for it. And it's, you know, it, it all came out. If you read these letters with that understanding in mind, you see it across the board. Everybody, everybody is saying it's okay to continue government or in the AFL-CIO's case, in the chamber's case, continue government spending. Just don't make the top 20% pay for it.
3: And again, um, <clears throat> the backbone of this state, um, it business wise, there are the big companies. I mean, they're companies that make millions of dollars, but they are in the minority. The very small minority, like the ten percent minority. 80, 85 to ninety percent of the businesses in this state are made up of small businesses with a very with a handful of employees making it happen. And yet, these are the people that are funding these organizations. That are oh, we got to protect the. Very-. I mean, I don't know a single business owner who would be happy with this. And and. <clears throat> If I had my druthers there would be a campaign to highlight this to every business owner who belongs to one of these organizations. How could you do that? How why would you give money to these organizations that then that then to protect the economy go ahead and cut all this money out of the economy to do it to give it back to the hands of politicians who are going to decide how to how to spend it and protect the top
2: 20% of the state. Right? Right. Well, it's you mean know, I, I talked to somebody this week who had been asked to join the Alaska Chamber and turned it down for this very reason. Uh, who said, "No, you guys are just you know you guys." He used a word I won't use on the air, but but you know it 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 is you guys are just out there pushing the same thing as the AFL CIO. You're just pushing for government spending, government spending, government spending, at my at my expense. Right. You're just you're, you're you're making sure that government continues to to grow big taking it out of my pocket. Uh, and and no, I don't want to join your organization. So, you know, there are people out there that recognize it. Not enough. I mean, part part of what the chamber, not only does the chamber get money out of the small businesses, but it also gets numbers, right? So when they go to Juneau, they're able to say, oh, we represent, you know, zillions of small of businesses in the state. You got to listen to us, notwithstanding the fact they're working against most of their membership. Uh, but you know, they get, they get numbers out of it. So yeah, people need to push back. Uh, it, it's, it's occurring in drips and drabs, but it would be, it would be helpful if more people did it.
3: So if anybody here is listening on the uh, podcast or watching on the video this morning on Facebook, since we're in the break, if you know, a business owner that belongs to a chamber that sent a letter, I recommend that you tell them and encourage them. Or if you're a business owner, send a letter and cancel your membership. Because this is the only thing that's going to get their attention. The only thing that affects them is when you hit their pocketbook. And if they lost 10 or 15 or 20 percent of their membership over something like this, it would be the only thing that would make them pay attention and start to focus on what's going on for small business. Forget about just protecting the large – protecting the small business. That's what those organizations are supposed to be about brad i'm sorry i sucked up all your time here at the top of the hour here but that that just it just frost it just absolutely infuriates me that that's what's
2: going on uh 10 seconds 15 seconds final thoughts for brad go ahead we'll we'll get to santos next week it's fine that you sucked up all the oxygen for this issue because it's the most important issue certainly this coming week um keep fighting for the pfd and uh and keep pushing back on the on government spending in other areas
3: well we're supposed to know today by noon or so what's going to be happening we'll have more intel on that next week thank you brad we appreciate it folks the michael duke show common sense radio
0: The Michael Duke's show streaming live across the world
3: across the world on the interwebs and uh, around the state of Alaska on this your favorite radio station and/ or translator it is the Michael Duke show broadcasting live um, and uh, I want to uh, uh, I want I want to rant that's what I want to do I want to rant. Um, we've got Chris story coming up here in a few moments for our weekly life coaching lesson and baby, are we going to need him? We're going to need some positivity because I'm about to do a dump on you, uh, of, uh, of thoughts and anger over this whole thing, because I am so infuriated and so frustrated to watch the special interests in this state completely ignore the average, the, 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 the average person, the will of the people. Um, We were just talking about um, we were just talking about uh, 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 all these organizations that were out there uh, going to the uh, you know, going to the legislature and telling people, oh, you know, we we can't you can't spend that you can't do that you we shouldn't you know, we shouldn't in all these letters. Um, the uh, state senator Mike Shower posted it to his Facebook page. You can go out there and take a look at it uh, and see all these letters: the NEA, the Alaska Bankers Association, uh, the uh, 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 the Chambers of Commerce, the various uh, you know the various organizations, the AC, the uh, uh, AGCA, the the. I mean, and especially the chambers. This is what really got. This is what really, really got me peeved. The chambers of commerce, the various chambers of commerce from around the state, including the Alaska Chamber, the statewide chamber, got in there and started telling them about how, oh well, you know, we couldn't possibly. Uh, we, we, you shouldn't do this because this would, know, you know, it'll keep that money for government spend. Now, most of you, you may or may not know that the basic makeup of, of an economy is basically made up of you have some very large businesses – um, you know, think uh, think GCI, some of the big contractors and, uh, and, uh, and things like that in the state, you know, the oil companies and things like that. But they make up a very small portion of the overall business in Alaska. And, in fact, most of the businesses in Alaska, the, the economy is made up probably of about 85% or so of the businesses are small businesses. You know, mom and pops, you know, semi-large, you know, 15 employees, 20 employees, 30 employees. That is the lion's share of the business in the state of Alaska, the people who depend on the folks coming through their doors every day to buy goods and services and products. And what they've done, what these organizations have done is they have thrown every one of those businesses under the bus in favor of government spend. They are protecting the the big guys they're protecting the, you know the oil companies the telecoms the the uh, the contracting companies that live on the government largesse that are they've built a whole business model around government spending. If they didn't have the government spend out there, their businesses would crater. Right. They don't depend on what's going on in the private economy. I mean, they have may have some private economy contracts, but for the most part, they are receiving most of their funds from government. This is the definition of crony capitalism. This is the definition of government and corporations working hand in glove and pressing down on the little guy. This is what people like Bastiat and others warned us about when we saw these kind of, these, these uh, what do they call them, combines and the machinations of government with private corporations and all this kind of stuff. And you've got people like the Chambers of Commerce who are funded with, I mean, 80% of their membership are small business basically throwing small business under the—and, well, Brad said it in the break here. He said, you know, these <clears throat> these chambers are walking into these meetings with these things saying, we represent, you know, thousands of businesses. We represent, you know, 2,383 businesses that say you shouldn't do this. Now, what they don't tell you is that— 2,600 of those 2,800 businesses are small mom and pops that would love to see $100 million going into every voting district in their area. They're basically protecting those top percentages. So here's my question to you. If you're a business owner in this state... If you're a business owner that's listening to this program or watching it on the replay or listening to the podcast, and you are a member of a chamber of commerce and you make less than a million dollars a year in gross revenues for your business or whatever, and you don't take government contracts, why are you giving them the four, five, six, seven hundred dollars a year or whatever it is to become a member of that chamber? How is that benefiting you? Because they're taking your money and your good name and they're going to the legislature and they're demanding that they spend more money on government and demanding that it cut out those monies going to the private economy. Why? Oh, why are you members of these chambers? Why wouldn't you just call them up and say, "Uh, that's it, sugar lips, cancel my membership. Now I'm not saying that there's not good people in the Chambers of Commerce and that some of their some of their various initiatives aren't good. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that when they get directly involved in governmental politics and they take those ideas and they fo- and they when they do that they are abusing you as a business, as a member. That's what's going on. It is the most infuriating thing to see. Somebody in the chat room just mentioned the unions having the same thing. Membership in the union disagrees with what the union membership is doing. You're 100% right. You're 100% right. It is exactly the same thing. And it is insane, my friends. Why as a business owner would you give your money to those organizations? And again, I guess then the question becomes why as a union or you know union member would you allow the union leadership to do what's going on? Well, we don't have the power. Okay, man, I can I can I can understand that. I can understand what you're saying there. But this, I mean, if you're a business owner listening to this, I gotta tell you, I I I, I would I, the first thing i would be doing this morning at 8:03 a.m. after you know we get done with the program here and it's business hours i think i'd pick up a phone and call my local chamber and say did you guys send a letter okay we're done did you send a letter to the legislature to tell them to vote against the operating budget okay that's it so, bye bye i mean this this Blood shooting from my eyes. Uh, All right, uh, let's uh, go over to the phones and see if, I mean, maybe I'm out of line. You could tell me. Am I out of line here? 907-433-3150, the Pivotel call in line. Let's go over here and see what you guys have to say about this and anything else we've hit this morning. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? I'm sorry, caller. Hold on a second here. I had a minor glitch. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Who is this? Where are you calling from?
1: Randy in Fairbanks?
3: Randy, go ahead.
1: Okay, yeah, I can hear my echo coming back, but that's okay. Um, no, I can't. It's fine. Um, this is a slightly off of what you're just now talking about, but it still has to do with the PFD. I just had a thought. You know how the, Supreme, the U.S. Supreme Court kind of reverses itself now and then, including re- recently, you know, with the possibility they might reverse themselves on the Roe versus Wade? My thought is maybe they reverse themselves on their striking down of Hammond's original P F D plan back in nineteen eighty when the Zobels sued, maybe they might consider reversing themselves and maybe we should try to slip that plan back in, a secondary PFD plan on top of the present P F D plan, and this this secondary P F D plan would simply give a share to every single adult in Alaska. It would all be equal, a fifty dollar share every year. They'd do that so that as time goes on, people would accumulate more of these shares because the mistake that the state made way back in 1980 is they started out this $50 per share plan retroactively. They went and gave a bunch of sourdoughs 20 shares right off the bat because they had been here for 20 years and the Zobels, who had just arrived in Alaska only two years prior to 1980, they only gave them two shares. And these, these uh, Sue Happy Zobels, who are lawyers, I think, both of them, the couple, uh, they got mad, and they sued, and it went all the way up to the Supreme Court, and the Supreme Court struck it down. But if the, if the Alaska starts to plan out on an even-steven basis, you know, not retroactively, we might actually be able to slip that thing in, and then nobody would sue because nobody would be mad about being treated unequally. But uh, eventually, you know, as time goes on, you know, a, a new resident, they'd only get $50. But Hammond offered this plan, and he explains it in his, uh, in his uh, Diapering the Devil book on page 17. The reason he did that is because he didn't want to give new arrivals thousands of dollars because he said that would attract, you know, huge masses of people that he didn't want to attract. And I agreed with him on that. So we could we could I think we ought to try that see if we can slip her
3: in well first of all you've got the idea of precedence which means it's very very hard to overturn those kind of things and that is uh, that's part and parcel of the problem is that it would be a long uphill battle somebody would have to fund another court case etc cetera, etc cetera, and you'd have to convince the justices they were wrong which they're very reticent to overturn precedents from previous courts so that's a that's a it's a it's a whole thing um, would would that have been the better way in the long run to do it maybe if it had withstood it? Maybe not. But here's the easy way, Randy. We've already got a law on the books. The law on the books is a statutory PFD. It, it accounts for inflation, it accounts for what the fund does. Hammond's plan didn't account really for what the fund was doing and what the earnings were and everything else at the time. This new formula, this new formula that we've been using for 40 years, less the last six years, pretty much answered all of those questions. So here's the thing we already have a law on the books. Why don't we follow the damn law? That's my question. Why don't we follow the law that we already have on the books? The answer, because you got a bunch of jackwagons in the legislature who've decided that they know better than you how to spend your money, Randy. Your money the money that you're owed, the money that you receive as an Alaskan citizen, your fair share of the oil wealth in the state of Alaska, they have decided that they know better than you how you, instead of buying, you know, putting money away for retirement, or maybe buying some investment coins, or maybe just putting some heating oil in your tank, or whatever it is, they have decided that they know better than you. We've already got a law. Follow the damn law. That's the easier thing. Instead of going to the courts and begging there for, please, please, sir, would you, could you really, could, could you follow, follow the law? That's what needs to happen. Follow the law. But nobody has a respect for law anymore. Nobody in this legislature has a respect for law. I mean. I shouldn't paint with so broad a brush. All the players who are the big government players in the the legislature have no respect for the law. They don't care. They poo-poo the 90-day session limit. They poo-poo the dividend. They poo-poo uniform rules. They poo-poo whatever they want because they are better than you. They know better. They are omnipotent and come down from on high. Once they got elected, they received some kind of grace from somebody to do whatever the hell that they wanted to do in the name of the greater good. And us poor, poor, pitiful children just couldn't understand exactly what it is that they do. We should just be quiet and sit in the corner and allow them to give us and be happy with what they dole out to us while they ignore the law. So my answer to you, Randy, is while a novel idea Definitely an uphill battle, probably costing you hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars in legal fee with very little chance of it actually happening. Because, again, courts don't like to overturn previous precedents, of course. Instead, there's already a little law in the books. Maybe we should just follow the damn law. I'm just saying follow the law. (laughs) I don't know how you feel about this, but I'm pretty ticked. All right. We got to (laughs) go. Chris Story's up next. He's going to give us our weekly dose of positivity. Why? Because otherwise, I might hurt somebody. We're going to be back with more. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty Based. Free Thinking Radio. We'll return right after this.
0: We're broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these entities to provide streaming stuff going on, on, the, on, the, on the internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com.
3: Hi, how are you? I'm fine. No, really, really. Fine, fine, just fine. I'm really, I'm really good. Just pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. That's, that's what it should all be about. Just don't, just no. Don't worry about it. Um. Uh, Patrick says, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. If our elected officials don't follow the law, why should I? You know, I uh, we should make that argument. You know, maybe we should have some kind of mass protest. Maybe we should go do something that is illegal in public. Hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of us and say, well... The legislature doesn't follow the law. Why do, why do we? I mean, if they have the ability to do that, well, I mean, they, they treat it with such disdain. They just, it's like they don't even say, well, now we've got two, well, well, now it's in conflict with the other law. You passed a law, SB 26, that directly conflicted with another law. Now, when you passed it, you could have put something in that bill to eliminate the previous law. Right. Because that's what laws do when they pass laws, they amend and they do. But no, no, no. They passed a law that they knew was in direct conflict with the current statute and they did nothing about it. They set this up. To be this way. And now they say, well, I mean, we've got two laws that are in conflict. We've got to we've got to choose. We, we can't, you know, and 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 the the court decision, the court decision was not. That you could break the law. That was not the wording of it. It, it basically said you can amend the law. You could change it. But they've never bothered to do that. They just leave it on the books and keep breaking it. When you, when you have a complete disregard and disrespect for the law, don't be surprised when the populace in the long run has exactly the same. That's exactly the same thing. They have complete disrespect for your law. perhaps we should find out which businesses are members of the chamber and contact them. You know, we should go through those letters and figure out which chambers. I know the Fairbanks Chamber sent a letter, but we should look at which chamber said it. And then, yeah, go to their membership list and then start calling the local businesses and say, you know that your chamber went out and basically put the kibosh on our full dividend? Is that what's good for your business? I'm telling you right now, I would have... I I definitely if I if I was a member of a chamber I would be making that phone call this morning and uh, keep the rest of my money I'm done I'm done with you forever I'm done that's what I would say Uh, Chris story uh, the man from Homer is with us and uh, I don't know what he has to say hey uh, what's happening sir what's uh, what's going on in your world.
4: Good morning, Michael. You're on fire as per usual.
3: Um, well, I hopefully not. I'm, the, the char is getting to me. Um, <laughs> any thoughts on what we've been talking about before we uh, run on to something more positive?
4: Let's just run on to something, well, I don't know, more positive, but uh, maybe impactful as to what, what can an individual do. I think your, your admonition to call the... Chamber of Commerce and so forth. I like think it's great advice because everybody can do something. Even if you're not necessarily a member, you can speak right. with businesses and so forth, business owners who may not even know what the chambers have done on their behalf.
3: And that's true. I mean, maybe these chambers just I mean, many of these businesses probably join it because they're just community minded folks. Well, I should Absolutely. be I should be part of my local chamber because it, you know, they do good for the community and everything else, and they're given spending hundreds of dollars a year and they don't realize that the chamber is working against their interests. They have no idea. Now, maybe if yeah, two percentual. or three or five or ten people called up and said, hey, you're a member of the chamber. Did you know that the chamber uh, uh, persuaded the legisl- helped persuade the legislature not to vote for the PFD? I thought your business would be very dependent on some PFD spend.
4: Right. You know? Right. I mean, I mean those dollars circulate within each community uh, numerous times. Yeah. yeah. No, it's, it's absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It's All right. What are we going to talk about quickly here? Dirt bags and other bad ideas.
3: Dirt bags and other bad ideas. We're going to talk about the legislature? Okay. All right. Oh, you see what I did there? Hold the line. Here we go. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense. Liberty-based. Free thinking radio. All right, um, time time to go uh, into the next thing here. We're we're looking for a little positivity, although he did he didn't say that it was a more positive aspect. It may have been. We're going to talk about dirt bags. Um, uh, I thought he meant the. I thought he said we were going to talk about the legislature, but apparently it's it's something completely different. Chris Story, the man from Homer, the Tony Robbins of Alaska. Only much better looking uh, here with us this morning. Good morning, my friend. How are you doing?
4: Good morning. It's actually so my, my entire thought is dirt bags and other bad ideas. And I'll tell you a story that will put that into context, but I, I couldn't resist that headline. I mean, I'm, no. you know, you and I are in show business. It's all about the headline. That's it's all, all that's system, right.
3: right? It's, you got to get the hook in. You got to get the hook in. Mm-hmm. That's what it is. So, dirt bags and other bad ideas. Again, I thought we were talking about the legislature, but apparently not. so hit us with uh, hit us with what you got Chris what's uh, wh- what are we thinking about today?
4: A very common refrain is what would you do if you knew you couldn't fail? In fact, I've used that I've developed whole shows, radio shows about that. I've got a um, I've written blog posts about that idea. Well what would you do if you knew you couldn't fail? And it's an interesting question. A better question comes from Seth Godin author of 20 20 incredible books on business and philosophy of business. And he says, look, here's a better question. What would you do if you knew you would fail? What would you do if you knew you would fail? What he's talking about is a practice of application, applying ideas, even though you know it's gonna fail, it's a high probability or likely to fail, do it anyway. So this comes to the story about dirtbags. Tiffany and I were managing an apartment building years and years ago, and we cut our teeth in property management in a 16-unit apartment building. We were the on-site managers, and it was an education. We got a PhD in people, in real estate, in contracts, human nature, and business ideas. One of our tenants had this idea, and he said to me, because he knew I was a, a budding young entrepreneur, he said, hey, I'll cut you in on this idea, 50%, we'll go in together, um, are you, you, in? you, you we'll, su- we'll cover the cost of materials 50%. We'll split the proceeds 50%. I'm an old man. I, I don't really need the apartment very much. You do all of that work, but it's my idea. I get 50%. I said, okay, I love it. Let's go. What is the idea? Dirt bags, Alaskan <laughs> dirt bags. And I was like, wait a minute. What, what? He goes, little plastic bags with a logo and a label. It says Alaskan dirt bag, and uh, we'll fill them with dirt. Alaskan dirt, and people can take home uh, little relics of Alaska. They can take home their own Alaskan dirt bag. And of course, I don't need to explain the entendre here. This is this is funny. It's it's funny on multiple levels. It's interesting. It's kitschy. I was already going to all the fairs selling pottery anyway. So what what why not dedicate a shelf to the dirt bag? So I ordered not a hundred, not five hundred, not even a thousand bags. I ordered 5,000 bags. This is how good of an idea I thought this was. I ordered 5,000 labels. The Alaska dirt bag had an incredible time designing this label. All the while, my wife said, This is the worst idea I've ever heard in my life. This is stupid. No, no, this is a great idea. No, it wasn't. I ended up not even being able to give away these dirt bags. It was a horrible idea, (laughs) it was terrible. But an idea that came before that bad idea, was something I called the Pocket Pal. Stop it. Just relax. This was a small piece of pottery, Just a little say. worry stone, a little smooth, burnished worry stone that had, I, I would sort of etch into it a design like an a oceanscape with a little moon rising or mountains or a little pelle kind of design, little indigenous designs and so forth. Burnish the side of it. Uh, fire them to a low-fire low raccoon temperature of about, you know, the 13, 1,400 degrees, and, and uh, they would, you know, I'd make them all black, and these were wonderful little things. and But what I didn't anticipate was that this soft, sort of fragile – a little piece of pottery in your pocket with your change or a pocket knife. It would self-destruct. And so, but before I, I figured that out in the marketplace of bad ideas, I had this whole vision of little light bulbs because I would I would hump them over the top of these little light bulbs. And I thought, how many light bulbs? I could make probably 500 a day with these 500 light bulbs. And my wife is slapping her head going, are you kidding me? I'm not going to have my house surrounded in light bulbs so you can make these stupid pocket pals. And before that, there was even worse idea that I could make my own raccoon kiln, and it would be safe, and and I would assemble this, and I knew what I was doing. That burnt my face off. So I guess what I'm saying is, if you feel like you don't have a business in you, you feel like you don't have a book in you, you feel like you don't have some opportunity in you to advance in any stage or walk of life, show me your bad ideas. And if you haven't got any bad ideas, you you probably haven't started building your ladder. Towards the top or towards your a good idea. So you got to have bad ideas and put them into practice, even if you're going to fail, or maybe especially if you know you're going to fail.
3: Because the learning process, I mean, is that is that the lesson here, the learning process of the things you do to go through, um, that you Absolutely. have to fail to succeed, or... I mean, because me, I'd be like the guy that'd be like, let me, divert, let, me, let me put this plan together and make sure that it's perfect, and then I'll execute it so that there's no chance of failure, right? I mean, that's kind of the idea that a lot of people have.
4: Yes. Well, and, and failures build muscle. It's a muscle of a practice, and you need to build that muscle, and you need to know you're going to fail at something. Because here's the thing. If you know you're going to fail, you don't risk everything. You know, in other words, you don't you don't take out a second, third and fourth mortgage on the home because you're blinded to your own genius. You know this is probably going to fail. So I'm not going to put the family at risk. I'm not going to jeopardize my entire life savings on this because this really could be a bad idea, and it might fail. In fact, it probably will. And I'm not talking about walking into the world with a, into the realm of pessimism. I'm talking about a realistic approach towards trying something new. I'm reading a, a new book just out by Marshall Goldsmith. He, he's, I love this guy. He's only written a few books, um, and I interviewed him about his latest book, uh, which was about, I don't know, seven or eight years ago, called Mojo, How to Get It and How to Keep It. His next one's called The Earned Life. The whole book is about finding fulfillment in life. And I'm pretty convinced that every startup founder who becomes a unicorn and sells their their company for multiple millions or hundreds of millions of dollars uh, without having spent a lot of time building the muscle of failure, they do not find fulfillment on the other side of that. Their, Their bank account is full, but maybe their life feels empty, and so they go back looking for that next thing. I'm saying we all have an opportunity to put into practice and build up over time a life of fulfillment, and it will include failing, and if we count on it and say, well, this is this may not work. This, this might be a dirtbag idea, but I'm going to do it anyway. Instead of risking, say, everything you've got, risk something, you know? fail enough that you you can keep playing the game. You don't put it all on the line, but fail at a point with which you can learn from it, build that muscle and involve yourself in, in life in such a way that you feel fulfilled at the end of the day. Because if your job isn't fulfilling you or this particular relationship or whatever it is you're going through, and you're not finding that fulfillment, I am suggesting that perhaps it's too comfortable. In the book, The Backyard Millionaire, August keeps bumping his head into that word comfort. "Ah, I'm just comfortable. My life is comfortable. And he pushes past and becomes uncomfortable with being comfortable. And that's where I'm saying is the, the edges of life is found fulfillment. And when we push towards those edges, even though we might fail we begin to build that muscle and that's what I think leads to a life of fulfillment in the good life.
3: Well I mean this is the whole adage of uh, you know like you know sharpening the knife to sharpen the knife you have to you're literally you know in some ways you could look at it like destroying the edge right I mean you're 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 wearing away good steel on the edge to create that keen blade. Um, and so, I mean, effectively you're removing, you know, you're, you're removing part of what you have and it's the same kind of thing when you're giving and you're going out there and you're attempting to fail is, you know, every time you fail, it's one step closer to that success because not only do you learn, but you're putting out that effort into the world and it's, it's eventually going to have to come back to you.
4: I agree. Uh, an author who was asked by a young writer, um, how to overcome writer's block young writer was just crippled with with writer's block. And the the old writer, the successful writer said to him, show me your bad ideas. Show me your bad writing. Where's your bad writing at? Well, I, I, you know, go write badly and you'll get through the block. The same with anything in life. Jim Rohn is famous for asking, how long do you give your average baby to learn to walk? And at some point you just say, you know what, forget it. You've fallen enough. You keep falling down. We're just going to carry you everywhere in life. No, you keep getting back up. As babies, we all did this. We fell, we got back up, repeat. Um, I think it's when we stop falling, it's a time to ask ourselves, are you capable of more? Have you settled? Is the path that you're on going to lead to fulfillment or regret? So fall down, try something even though you know it might fail, in fact, there's a good probability that it will. And in so doing, you will begin to reach, you'll begin to stretch the muscles. Look, before I go for a run, if I, if I short sheet myself and say, I don't have time to stretch, I pay the price I every time. And I think, why didn't I just stretch? That's a great metaphor for life. Why didn't you just stretch? Stretch a little bit. See where you can go and where you'll end up because you are in charge of your own destiny. I think a lot of us have maybe forgotten that. That we're where we are because of what we've done, choices we've made, and where we're going, and who we become is ultimately up to us.
3: I think it's uh, you know I mean I'm uh, you know in the whole Tesla versus Edison battle, I'm a huge fan of Tesla. Okay, but there are a few things that I admire um, Thomas Edison for, and one was for the creation of the industrial for the you know for the commercial light bulb, right? For for making a, a commercial light bulb. And uh, the, the, the story goes that he went through thousands of iterations to figure out what would work. And the old adage was, you know, it was on the 10,000th 10, 10, try that the bulb lit and stayed lit. He finally discovered what it was that needed to be, you know, to, the materials that needed to be used to create the perfect light bulb. Meaning he failed thousands and thousands of times. To get it done, and he learned something from each attempt and came forward. That's always been a that's always been a comfort to me. The other thing is is that, uh, you know, I remember the old adage of uh, of, of you know of my grandfather or somebody that basically said to me, you know, if you're gonna fall down, if you're gonna if you're gonna fail and fall down, at least fall forward. Because you'll be six foot closer to your goal at that point, right? And so those are the two adages that I've continued to take with me in everything, that if I fail, at least that I knew – at least I fell down moving forward so that when I fell, I was that much closer and that eventually – if you keep at it and you learn. Now, doing the same thing over and over is insanity, right? Expecting different results. But if you learn each time and you try to adapt each time eventually, there will be success. It may not look anything like you expected in the beginning, but you've learned through all the iterations of what doesn't work. You'll eventually find what does.
4: Yeah. You're here. Amen. I love that. Uh, Conwell, Russell Conwell, he's the, the author of the book well it started out as a speech but anyway it's called acres of diamonds and he said every man his own university i love that every man his own university you're responsible for where you end up you're responsible for who you surround yourself with and and where you're going and and i think truly and this is um borrowing a bit of a line from zig Ziglar. i truly believe that you can read your way to the top. And I think that's something that if more of us were to take a look at that and say, look, what have I read lately? Are you just reading headline news? Are you just reading bad news? Are you just reading about current world events? Yes, we want to stay abreast of these things. But what are you doing to nourish your mind? And I'm not suggesting we bury our heads. But I am suggesting you can read your way to the top. I think you can read your way rich. I think you can read your way to a garden to self-sufficiency. I think you can read your way to health and inspire yourself to a life of fulfillment. I think everyone, your own university, you are the professor, you're the headmaster, and you're the student. And if you don't think you can start a business, show me 10 bad ideas that you can think of today. Uh, Can't advance in your company or your current station of life. Show me what you've tried and failed, where you've tripped and fallen. And I guarantee I'll show you where you've gotten back up. And you have within you whatever you wish and all you need to do is bring it to the table and show the world and don't be afraid to say this. Look at my mess. Look at my dirt bag. This was a horrible idea. And by the way, to come full circle, I gave back uh, that that particular gentleman was demanding some compensation. And I said, I'm not being able. I can't sell these. Uh, tell you what, here, you can have all the materials. He goes, no, no, just pay me my money back. And I said, but this is your idea. Lipin, you bet <laughs> your idea. You, right. you had fifty percent here, and I dropped off all the materials. I said, "You can have everything." I'm out of the dirt bag business, but Michael, I'm so glad that I got into that business for the short time, and I did because it showed me that I can, I can really have some bad ideas and execute on them, right. and fail and still move forward,
3: right. Well, that's how, and that's how we learn. I mean, that's that's how we learn is to fall down, to fail, to get stronger, to adapt, to overcome and to make those new, you know, to change the ideas, to make it uh, to make it something, uh, you know, worthwhile. How many businesses have started and failed? Thousands and thousands and millions of businesses have started and failed. And yet people continue to do it because there is fulfillment even in Mm -hmm. just the journey. Even if you fail, there's still fulfillment in the journey. uh, Yeah, uh, I wouldn't
4: have it any other way. I've been waking up self-unemployed for almost 30 years, and I wouldn't trade a minute of it, even when the scrapes and bruises came along. You want to read about an inspiring story, pick up a biography of Walt Disney, and you will read failure upon failure upon failure, and then success woven in between, and ultimately, well, history tells the tale.
3: Yeah, one of the most successful companies in the history of the world. So that pretty much, that pretty much lines it all out right there. Chris Story, the man from Homer, my friend. Thank you so much for being part of it today. It's uh, it's good to hear from you. I appreciate you being part of it with us.
4: Thank you, Michael.
3: All right, folks, we're out of time for this segment. One more. I say we open up the phone lines and just let you, because I don't want to. Uh, now I'm now I'm a little bit more sanguine. I don't want to go crazy again, but let's see what you have to say. 907-433-3150, the Pivotel call-in line, the Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. Okay, <clears throat> in the break. All right, um you guys have been talking a lot here while I'm going on and on and on about this stuff dirt bags. You just needed your marketing was off. You just needed a dirt bag to sell dirt bags and you're no dirt bag. <laughs> That's true. That's true. I mean, you know, it, 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 see seemed like a good it seemed like a good idea at the time. <laughs> just bags of dirt right here. Bags of dirt. Um all right, people talking about the um, uh, people talking about the various um, costs, of PFD, what the PFD could have done for them. Um, um, uh, pretty much. Back where I come from, we have a saying: "Mad enough to eat the ass out of an armadillo," and that sums it up pretty well for me. <laughs> People are mad. I Maybe mean, we're all mad. We're all upset about this. We're frustrated. We, you know, we've seen the the you know we've seen these folks uh, fight for us. We've seen the the Shelley Hughes and the and the Mike Showers and the Kevin McCabe's and the Roger Hollins of the world fight for us, and yet uh, we continue to see them just get the beat down. By the business as usual crowd, and here's the thing: it's never going to change, not in that regard, because you know Bert Stedman's people thinks that uh, you know the sun rises and sets out of his backside. They love him. People at Sitka, oh, he's great. We'll just keep, you know, oh yeah, he's great. Uh, you know the Louis Stutes. I mean, I've gotten emails from people on Kodiak who listen. And they're like, "Well, you got to understand that she's done a lot of good things for Kodiak and blah, 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 so we're just that's why she's still supporting." Okay, so okay, check, got it. You guys like to basically give the sticky shaft to everybody else in the state as long as you get yours. That I mean, it's essentially what it boils down to. And again, this is the, the this is the whole thing that Bastiat, uh, you know, warned about was you know people figuring out that they could vote themselves largess out of the public treasury and everything else. As long as these communities get theirs, they'll keep sending their people back. That's what that's what's going to happen. As long as they're getting theirs, they're happy to send the Click Bishops and the Gary Stevenses and the and the the Burt Steadmans of the world back as long as they get theirs. And it uh, doesn't matter if they if it sticks it to everybody else, as as long as they get theirs. And now you've got this upper echelon in the legislature, of course, with the Natasha von Imhoffs and others who want to protect those uh, top 20% income. In fact, they've talked about it on the floor. Oh, if you do this, then people will leave the state. Business owners will leave the state because they can't afford the... Well, if they can't afford it, why are you continuing to pile it on to the lower and middle income Alaskans instead? If all of a sudden you decided to transfer that, you know, if you if you decided to transfer that income stream from just the lower and middle income Alaskans who have no say in the matter because you have full control of the PFD, if you transferred that over to the business owners and the, you know, top 20% income earners and they would leave the state, that should tell you something. But, I mean, there you go. Bishop didn't have anybody running against him last time. I think Bishop's going to have a challenger this go-around. Bishop, I think, is going to have a challenger. And the fact that he got, uh, I think he got censured by his district. Uh, He was pretty pissed about that, by the way. I got the word on that uh, last week that he was uh, stomping around the legislature, really pissed off about the fact that his district had dared to censure him for his good ideas. Because Click is a genius, in case you didn't know. I I can't believe they would. This is why I say continually uh, that uh, every, every candidate, every incumbent needs to have a challenger. Every one of them needs to have a challenger. Um Sorry, I'm reading some of the comments here. Uh, endowment ownership. School teachers are all here, all over me because what? I've got to read this real quick. What this comment is? School teachers, Willie says, out in Quinnehawk. He says school teachers out here are all over me because I posted a ton of stuff opposed to HB 55. Uh, there, sh- there should be a list of how much each community owes just for past defined benefits. At one point, Bethel was $17 million in arrears for the Pers and tours program. Uh, exactly. Teachers know that they have the best part paying time jobs in the world, and they don't want anyone to threaten that says Chuck. Um, I keep telling them, uh, exactly says Willie, I keep getting told that they can make more elsewhere. I tell them there's two jets a day leaving Bethel. I mean that's the thing. There uh, we can make more elsewhere. Okay. Well, why don't you go there? We'll find. We'll figure it out. If it's really that bad and nobody wants to show up, we'll figure it out. And that's the bell. Time to jump back into it. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Like the share. Like the show. Share this video. Like and subscribe. Subscribe and ring the bell on Facebook. You know all the stuff. Here we go. Um, let's continue here uh, One final segment of the program this morning I'm going to try to not get all You know, I can only sustain that amount of anger And agitation for so long Just It just wears me out Because then, I, then I'm just like, okay, whatever But, I mean, that's You know, we continue to see How we are treated um, By the legislature As afterthoughts Their whole stance is, of course, to protect the government spend no matter what, Um, that by protecting the government spend, they're somehow doing something uh, benevolent for the uh, for the entirety of the state. I mean, again, it's Ivy Sponholz's whole idea that, um, you know, that, again, a better way to help those who are financially struggling would be to invest in low income housing, public assistance, Medicaid, SNAP, senior benefits and other programs that they want to create this government dependency, that they want to hold on to those money. How many people could be lifted out of poverty? How many people of a family of, you know, mom and dad and 2.1 children or whatever the average is, I mean, just like a four-person household, how many families could be lifted out of poverty if you paid them their $5,500 the PFD and the energy, really? Or just the PFD, $4,200 full statutory PFD. How many people would be lifted out of poverty and have their lives changed with that 16 seventeen 18, twenty thousand dollars now what if it happened every year what if it wasn't just a one-time thing what if it was you know every year they received that and they could that that they, they could bank on it or is it really all about making sure that we are all dependent? Maybe that's what it's really about. Maybe, maybe we should all be low income and dependent on the government and then our lords and masters in the legislature, the elite, the only ones. We're the only ones that know what to do with all this money. We're the only ones that know how you should live your life. We're the only ones that know how you should raise your children. We are the only ones that can handle this amount of money with any kind of intellect and smartness. I mean, maybe that's really what they want. A dependency state. Or maybe, as somebody stated earlier this or I guess late last week, when they said what they really want is they really want to force the small business out of Alaska, except for those that service the government industries, of course. And then just basically have a state that's full of nothing but governmental employees and whoever's serving them in their businesses. Maybe that's what they, you know, maybe that's what they want. And we'll, we'll take care of you, cradle to grave, we'll do the, the, the low-income housing and the public assistance and we'll, we'll do all those I mean, this is why the politicians, and I've said it many times before, this is why the politicians in this country have become the nouveau riche nobility. That's that's really what it is. They have become the new noble class, and we're just peasants. And we, the peasants, should just be happy what they should decide. Our betters have decided for us. Now, not all politicians are that way, but... A big chunk of them and the ones that are running the dog and pony show are definitely that way. That's, I mean, that's the whole that's the whole premise of what's going on. Let's go over to the phones. we got time for a call here before we run out of daylight. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from?
1: Robin from Fairbanks.
3: Hello, Robin. What's on your mind?
1: I am furious with LeBon. After the horrible winter we had with fuel being six weeks out for delivery and all of that, the fact that he would say no. So my my fear is, is that no Republican is going to run against him, so that we're stuck with him. And as much as I cannot stand voting for a Democrat, is it, is it OK to betray all my other beliefs <laughs> for the PFD to just not vote for LeBron?
3: Well, I mean, uh, you know, this is a personal choice. This is why I never have been a member of any party, uh, Robin, is because I want to be able to vote specifically on things that are of the issue. Now, I've never had to vote for a Democrat uh, in in because there's always been another choice. But, hey, at least with a Democrat, you know what you're going to get. Right. I mean, at least, you know, at least they're not going to look you right. in the eye and smile and say, tap the elephant on their lapel and say, trust me, I'm one of your people. And then get down there and stab you in the back. Um, and at least a Democrat's going to tell you to your face what they're going to do. Uh, and maybe that's what it maybe that's what it takes. But I think that there's going to be a challenger for Lebon. I think that there's going to be a challenger. We'll we'll have to see. Um, but uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, I would make every one of these legislators that voted against a full PFD I would make them all pay. I would make them I would I would take a snapshot of that voting board and circle and highlight their name in every ad that I had. Everything that I do would be beating the drum of these people don't trust you with your money. They believe that government uh, government is the is the highest best use of your money. And uh, and I would you know, I would do it. Now, the problem is Lebon's district is is so purple at this point. I mean, remember, he only beat Catherine Dodge by one vote uh, in his first go around Uh, one single vote. So that's a pretty tight district to to uh, 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 to do it. Uh, Kelly in the chat room says she's filing today to run against Lebon. So Kelly's a good choice. There you go. Uh, vote for Kelly oh,
1: Kelly Nash.
3: Kelly Nash. Yep. Vote for it. Yeah. By the oh,
1: way- awesome. Yeah. I'm down. I will donate to her.
3: <laughs> yeah. Well, apparently she just said that the Republican women of Fairbanks gave him fifteen hundred dollars for his reelection campaign. So, again, this is part of the problem. <laughs> this is part of the problem. The Republican right. Party is a big part of this whole problem, Robin. They are the ones that are contributing to it. Stop giving money to people who are hurting your people. That's the bottom line. Thank you, Robin. Time for one more quick call. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from?
4: Hey, this is Jason from Nikiski. Hey, Jason. Hey, one thing we got to say about Chris Kirka uh, is we knew that he was going to be uh, voting this way just because of the uh, abortion stuff that was in the bill.
3: Yeah, but again, here's my question. I mean, what difference has it made at this point? Is is that a language going to get back into the bill? Is that, you know, is it going? No, I totally... Yeah. No, I mean, 100% agree. Yeah, you it's knew. It's frustrating knowing that that's why, you know. Yeah, no. Not everything. I, yeah. I I, agree. I agree with you 100%. This whole thing has been just such a poop parade at this point. Um, but you're right. You're right. We knew that that was probably going to happen right there, no matter what. Thank you for your call. I'm sorry we're out of time for today. Tomorrow, I don't know, we'll get some guests, we'll get somebody up. Um, and, uh, well, tomorrow we got Mike Shower is coming in. I'm going to get somebody else in hour one. We'll see. We'll see who else we're going to get, but I imagine Mike Shower tomorrow. I imagine that you're going to want to set your clocks, because I think that the gloves are going to come off tomorrow. I think that the chains are going to be unfettered, and I think it's going to be a show that you are not going to want to miss. Mike Shower on the show tomorrow in hour two, for the Shower Hour of Firepower. That's what it's going to be, folks. We appreciate you. Thanks for coming on board the Michael Duke Show be kind to one another love one another live well now i can pretty much guarantee you that tomorrow is going to be a f- flamethrower of a show i don't know who i'm going to get on in hour one maybe we'll, we'll figure something out maybe i don't know we'll see we'll see what happens see if i can find a fire eater on the house side that wants to come in and rant a little bit about this maybe we just need to have rant wednesday tomorrow get mccabe on with shower that's not a bad idea i mean he was on last week but i guess so was shower so maybe we'll see if we can get kevin mccabe on um do you notice it when you get wound up we get wound up also yes i know i know but again how long can you hold that uh hold that anger Alright, folks, we gotta we gotta fly the Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free thinking radio.